my last job in corporate America, I built a $20 million division for a Fortune 550, had 175 people on my team, and I decided to exit corporate America after I have to lay people off multiple years in a row. You are an engineer. You're smart. You've worked hard. You've been dedicated to one of the world's most needed professions. And now it's your turn to build some passive income. This is Engineers That Invest. You want financial freedom and security, and we're about to teach you how to do it through investing in commercial real estate. On this show, you'll get educated and inspired on building that passive income. Get ready to learn how to retire on your own terms. This is Engineers That Invest, and now your host, Nde Kimbang. Ladies and gentlemen, engineers of all stripes, welcome to another electrifying episode of Engineers That Invest. I'm your host, Ndek Kembang, and today's interview was an absolute banger. We had the honor of chatting with the one and only Jerome Myers, an award-winning engineer, investor, mentor, and business strategist extraordinaire. Now, let me tell you, Jerome knows a thing or two about navigating the exit paradox. He's like the Neo of the business world, guiding founders through the matrix of entrepreneurship to achieve mind-blowing success. From building a $20 million division from scratch to advising business leaders on leadership strategy, process improvement, and sales, Jerome's expertise is off the charts. But hold up, there's more. Jerome is not just a mastermind in the corporate realm. He's also a general partner in multifamily real estate portfolio because this man knows that building passive income is the ultimate way to unlock financial freedom. And guess what? That aligns perfectly with our mission at Proportunity Partners to help a thousand engineers build passive income through commercial real estate by 2030. But here's the icing on the cakes, folks. Jerome's outstanding achievements were recognized by his alma mater, North Carolina A&T State University, where he has a fully endowed scholarship that has been created in his family's name. Talk about leaving a lasting legacy and inspiring future generations of engineers. Now, we can't do it alone. We need your help to spread the word and create a movement of engineers ready to take control of their financial future. So here's what I'm asking from you. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Let's make this podcast go viral so we can empower engineers worldwide to break free from what Jerome calls the matrix and create a life of abundance through real estate investing. Now, let's dive into the interview with Jerome Myers. He dropped wisdom bombs left and right, revealing the secrets to doubling revenue, taking more time off, giving back, and even the story behind his endowed scholarship. Trust me, you don't want to miss a single second of his mind-bending conversation. Jerome Myers, thank you for coming on to the Engineers at Invest podcast. I've heard a lot about you, seen a lot of the different things that you're doing, and it is quite an honor. First of all, if you could just give us a short, brief background, and then we'll get right into it. Man, before I do that, listen, if you're on the show right now, I need you guys to hop over to iTunes, hop over to whatever your favorite platform is and give this man a rating and review. This is the thing that's going to help more people discover this new podcast and help him take it to the next level. He's out here trying to create content for the masses and help them get exposure to this wonderful investment asset class that so few people have access to. 
And the more people that we can touch, the better off the world will be. So do me a favor before we start giving you tremendous value. Hop over and give a rating and review for this show. And so with that said, bro, I really appreciate you having me on. Short background for me. My last job in corporate America, I built a $20 million division for a Fortune 550. Had 175 people on my team. And I decided to exit corporate America after I have to lay people off multiple years in a row. I left that, got into real estate investing. I thought I was going to buy an apartment. It didn't work out for me in the beginning. I went to 10 different banks. They all told me I wasn't qualified. And so I pivoted, started fixing and flipping. And then one day I was sitting on the stoop of one of my fix and flip homes. And a guy pulled up in a white Dodge Ram. He hopped out. He's like, hey, bud, let me check out your finishes. We're doing a house down the street. Just want to make sure we come to market with something that's going to be comparable. And so we're walking through. He's, oh, you tucked the wall out and you got the goose leg sink in the island. Mm. And you got the granite countertops and this is amazing. We go upstairs. He's, you made a master suite in a house that was built in 1920s. This is phenomenal. And so we're coming back down the stairs. He's getting ready to walk out. And he says, hey, do you know anything about that building behind the Chimbo Mart? I said, the 23-unit apartment complex? He's like, yeah. He's like, absolutely. I tried to buy it four or five months ago. He said, I'm going to make an offer on it today. And I leaned back and I was like, you're the guy I've been looking for. The banks told me that I needed somebody who had experience in order to partner with me on my first deal. And he said, what are you going to bring to the table? I said, I don't know. He said, what are you going to bring to the table? I said, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Just don't leave me out the deal. You're the guy I've been looking for. Yeah. And he turned red and got a little frustrated. He said, man, what are you going to bring to the deal? I said, look, man, I don't know, but you're the person I've been looking for. The banks told me I need a partner. There's no way you're making an offer without having experience. Just don't leave me out the deal. And so he shook his head, he turned around, he walked out, walked through the grass, hopped in his truck and drove off. And so this was on a Wednesday, bro. I was like, he'll call me tomorrow. Let me know it's under contract. No phone call. Friday came and went. And I was like, all right, we're just going to get through the weekend. Monday's the day. Nothing. And then I was like, maybe I should reach out to him. I realized I didn't know his name. I didn't know his phone number. I didn't know what house he was doing, working on down the street. And so I thought I just blew my chance because I was the first person that I met that owned apartments. And I think many of the listeners are probably in that same situation where they don't know anybody who owns an apartment complex. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then I had a guy reach out who I used to lend money to. And he was like, hey, I got the opportunity to be the general contractor on this deal. It's the deal that you were talking about five or six months ago. I was like, oh. That's amazing. Congratulations. Just wait. I told them I was only comfortable doing it if you were part of the deal. Oh. And so you need to be here at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. I was like, say no more. I'm there. And so the three of us plus two other guys took down that first deal. And that was my first apartment complex. And from there, we left Richmond, Virginia. I came down to Greensboro, North Carolina. We built a portfolio and We've been working on entries, exits, and operations ever since 2016 when we first figured out that we were going to mm -hmm. actually go off and start buying these deals. Oh, man. It's crazy how everything went full circle. Somehow, it can always end up coming back of, oh, hey, how about you? Hey, I need to have you involved as well. So clearly, that aspect of putting your name out and just putting in the email, letting people know what you're doing then naturally that comes back to you. 
one of I was prior to this interview, I was doing a lot of research on you to really understand. And one of the big things that came up was the Matrix and mm-hmm. Red Pill. Can you please just give us a brief overview of that? Because especially with nowadays, I hear the Matrix all the time. There's famous people like Andrew Tate, for example, who is talking about Matrix. So like, what's the Matrix and what's the Red Pill? Yeah. So when I think about the Matrix, I think about a construct that's designed in order to keep people enslaved. And you can interpret that however you want. For me, here's what I know. There's a whole lot of people who do things just because they pay well. They know they've been placed on the planet to do something different than what they're doing. But for some reason, they've decided that they cannot do that because they're not able to. And it may be, I've got kids, I've got a wife, I've got a husband, I've got these student loans, I've got a mortgage, I've got this luxury car note. Like they come up with the reasons and everybody's got their own reasons on why they can't stop doing the thing that they've been doing in order to do the thing they're supposed to be doing. We firmly believe that when people take the red pill, they're embracing the fact that they can live in their truth, that they are going to work in purpose and on purpose. And when you do that, you end up with the life of fulfillment. Now, the red pill has been bastardized. We actually, my company has the red, has the trademark for I tuck the red pill, right? So you don't see people writing that anywhere. We own that. Mm. But they'll say silly things like, oh, I'm red pilled or this other stuff. And it just makes it a little messy. But truly what we are helping people do is figure out what their truth is, not what somebody else told them, but what is your truth? And then encouraging them to live that out by changing the programming. I think so many of us, decide who we're going to be when we're 8, 10, 12, 14, after we graduate college or after we get a divorce or after we get married or after we have our first kid. And then we keep running that same program with no updates. No updates. You got a computer, you got a phone, you get an update once a week, once a month. Sometimes I get one every other day. But for some reason, we believe that our life program should just continue to run. And so our goal is to help people explore that and Come when asked a question, who'd you decide? When'd you decide who you were going to be? They can answer it this morning. They're living that life intentionally. They're living that life to make a difference and be in service of other people. Okay. Hey, that's, I feel that that's really deep when you're thinking of the concept of red pill, where it's something that I've been able to see all the time. But you are correct. I've never seen specifically, I took the red pill. I didn't know that you had that trademark. So that's quite impressive. And with regards to more of your engineering background, so I saw that you recently received an Alumni Achievement Award for North Carolina A&T State University College of Engineering, where you had a fully endowed scholarship created in your family name. Like speaking of really generational impact, that's amazing. So now I'm what I'm curious is, what led you to transition from your tra- traditional engineering career, transition from the matrix into investing in commercial real estate and with what you're doing now? And what were some of the biggest challenges you faced along the way? Biggest challenges, man, you loaded that question up. So 
when I was a sophomore in college, me and my buddy Duran were sitting on a stoop and we were doing a little bit of math. I was paying three ninety five. I had two roommates paying three ninety five. He was doing the same thing downstairs. But when we multiplied it across the complex, the guy was making seven hundred thousand dollars a year, but we never saw him or talked to him. And so we were like, we just want to make seventy thousand a year. This guy's making seven hundred thousand. Like, how do we do that? In addition to that, he did couple his time from his money. And so I knew then as a sophomore that the goal was to find ways to get passive income. And the only problem was we never saw or talked to the guy. So how were we going to ask him how he did it? It wasn't like it was a course in college, right? The course in college teaches you to chase what I consider to be one of the biggest farce, which is the American dream where, you know, you get a good job after you got good grades in school. And you get married, you have 2.5 kids, you have a dog, a fence, and two luxury cars and a mortgage. And you do that for 40 years, and then you hope and to retire. Loan debt. Don't forget. Yeah, and then student loan debt, unless you get our scholarship. And then you hope to retire, and then maybe you live for 10 years. But you live at a quality of life that's less than what you were living when you actually were working. And that just, that whole thing for me was broken. That whole thing for me was broken. And so I came into a group when I started my engineering career where I was the youngest person in the group. Everybody else was talking about retirement. They were in their 50s, 60s. They were on their way out. And here I am on my way in. And all I heard them talk about was what they were going to do when. But they'd already been doing it for so long. And so I was like, I can't imagine 30 years from now, 40 years from now, talking like these guys. Like I got to find my way out. And like when you think 401k, you can't touch that money until you're 59 or 60. How can I turn on cash flow now? How can I get free now? This idea that I just need a big lump of money so that I can live off of it and hope it doesn't run out. When I look at the wealthiest people on the planet, that's not what they're doing. They're creating cash flow that supports their lifestyle so that they don't have to trade their time for money. How do I do that? That was what I wanted to figure out. And so I had the guy who owned the apartment complex who we didn't see, but I knew there was a way. I knew it was possible because I knew somebody owned it. And so we implemented the same model. So we had third-party property management. We bought the properties and we continue to execute against that model today. The biggest okay. challenges you asked about, man, 10 banks told me no. Let's start there. So I'm walking out of corporate America. This is the only arrow I got in my quiver, right? I didn't have any clients lined up. I didn't have any other real income set up. I was under the impression that I was going to buy an apartment building and I was just going to transition into that. And that was going to be my yeah. game. And they all told me no. So that first year I made $0. First year out of corporate, I made zero dollars. Income went to zero from meaningful money. I was getting five-figure bonuses, right? So the irregular income was the first part. And it's not for everybody. Everybody's not going to be an operator. They're not going to be the people going to find the deals and then managing them. Some people are just going to put cash in. But for me, I wanted to be a real estate professional. I wanted to be the operator. And that didn't work. That was the biggest challenge because that's the thing that everybody's scared of. 
Yeah. If I don't make any money, then what? Then you use your savings. What if I run out of my savings and you use your credit cards? Then what? You figure out how to make money. <laughs> That's what you do. So then with that, did you ever have any limiting beliefs or identity beliefs? Because many at times, at least even for me, before I they began investing in real estate, there's that identity of I'm an engineer. I'm not a real estate investor. I'm an engineer. So like when I began to invest in that, I internally had those limiting beliefs of, hey, people like me, people who get these degrees, work this job, making a good salary as compared to the average American, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm in this box. So how did you get out of those limiting beliefs? Yeah. So it's that's funny, right? So a job title can be a matrix, right? It can define you. An income amount can be a matrix. It can be a prison. It can confine you. And so I encourage people not to define themselves based on the titles that they have. Because as soon as that title goes, so goes your identity. And so our coaching model, we spend a lot of time in this in our coaching practice. So at the foundation of the red pill, our model for a centered life is self-image. And so self-image is broken up into four different things, but the thing that's really relevant, the two that are really relevant here are how you think about yourself or how you view yourself and how you think other people view you. If you don't think that other people view you favorably outside of the title that you have, then you're going to be in a place where you're jammed and you can't make any movement just because you don't feel like people will accept you. If you are under the belief that people are, you bring benefit regardless of what title you have, regardless of where you are in the world, that is one of the most freeing things, one of the most freeing ideas that you can adopt and use to navigate this thing we call life. It's, that's how you break through it. And the way that I know to help people get to the place where they believe that they bring value regardless of all of the other stuff that's surrounding them is by keeping promises to themselves. You keep promises to yourself, then you know that if you make a promise to somebody else, that it'll be done. Because we extend ourselves the most grace because we know yep. what the intentions were, right? If you didn't try your best. Like my daughter, she got her first C, hopefully it's her last C, last nine weeks. She's in the fifth grade. And I was like, did you try your best? She says, no, I didn't try my best. And she's a, I know she's an A student, has all the potential to be an A student, but she doesn't enjoy your teacher. And so because she doesn't enjoy your teacher, she decides that she's not going to put forth as much effort as possible. But we do that all the time. We decide that we're not going to put in our best effort. Even we'll tell somebody we're going to do something. We don't put in our best effort. They assume that we did all that we could, even if we didn't get the outcome. Yep. But when you promise yourself something and you don't get the outcome, you know whether or not you tried your best. There is no interpretation. There is, no, it's just, you didn't do it. Yep. And that for me is the magic because if you're accountable to yourself, you don't need to be accountable to anybody else because it's the Holy Grail. And that carries you through everything that you do in this space. Yeah, the concept of being accountable to yourself, I think it's in the, Seven Habits of Effective, Highly Effective People, where they mention 
treat yourself how you would treat others, something like that. Where how they, how they would want to be treated. Yeah, because it's a lot of times when we are we're able to keep others accountable, give grace to others, but then when it comes to ourselves, we then begin to make excuses. Although like we naturally know that, hey, you may not have actually put in all of the work that you had mentioned, but you're giving yourself those excuses. I think that's that I've been able to really see in my life as well. Then another kind of like following up on that with like when it comes to you mentioned that your first year you made zero dollars going from an inning career where you're getting five figure bonuses and now your first year you've made zero dollars. So the thing that I would love your insight on what you believe sets commercial real estate investing apart from other types of investments and why you think it's a good fit for engineers and other busy professionals? I think it's a good fit for engineers because there's numbers involved. Like the most successful people that I see in this space either have marketing or engineering background. Check the box there. We're comfortable with numbers. Why do I like commercial real estate? I think the short answer for that is it's set up to be in an investment. I think a lot of people go in and they buy a single family home and they think that's truly set up for investing if they rent it. But if you really look at the math and you look at the debt, like it's not. The majority of people who buy a single family home are losing money every year and they don't know it. They have no idea. Meanwhile, apartments in particular, which has been our focus, is set up so that the bank, if you put debt on it, is expecting you to make money. It's factored in. They won't mm-hmm. make a loan if you're not making a 25% profit. Oh, Think yeah. about that. Think about that. They want you to have a 25% profit. So why are we doing these other things where they're letting us put leverage on it at 93% or 97% and there's no money left? And just real simple, man, it's one of my favorite ways to explain this. When I was a kid, after I got my book club award thing, we would go get my personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. And personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut had four slices. And so I had my pizza. I was pretty happy. I went in the backyard with my dogs and they wanted some of my pepperoni pizza, man. Okay. And so pepperoni, they were jumping okay. up and down and they bumped it. Right. And it knocked the pizza out of my, my, my little, little tray thing. And two of the pieces fell on the ground. One of each one of my dogs got the piece and they ate my piece. So those two pieces were gone. There was one piece that fell in the sand. It had sand all over it. And then there was another piece, the one that I had in my hand. I was like, oh, man, uh, I guess I'm only going to get one piece of pizza tonight. Right? That's how most commercial real estate deals work. 50% goes to operating expenses. 25% goes to debt. And that last 25% is your profit. Here's the thing. The, if the debt or the operating expenses grow, it comes out your profit. And so if you can set it up where you get the proper debt at the proper ratios, as long as your income shows up, you end up in a really solid spot where you have predictable income. The other thing is businesses are the ones that are using the commercial real estate. I think they're a whole lot more reliable than 
renting to individual consumers. I really do. I think if people have brick and mortar locations or if, you know, they're staying in an apartment building, there's transparency on the income. There's transparency on the qualifications of the person that's coming in. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think you see that in a lot of other spaces. Oh, man. So with that, now that first year you started zero dollars. Now, first of all, have you gone back into the matrix? No, once you're freed, <laughs> you can't go back, bro. Okay. No, so you, you, not- you see life differently. Like it, it's it's not possible. You can't go back. It's funny. I so I had a I had one client, one of our former coaching clients. She went back in on a contract. She quit the second day. Wow. She couldn't go. She couldn't. She's like, I can't do that. Once you experience what real freedom feels like, there's no going back. Oh, wow. So we started off on that negative aspect. We say, hey, your first year you made $0. So now you've been with your businesses and within commercial real estate. So now what does your portfolio look like? Yeah, we grew it to 95 doors across five addresses. And then about a year ago, we sold one property, the first property we bought. And so now we're down in the 60 in across four addresses. So then I know you also have a podcast. And what does, what does your podcast focus on? So we have two. There's one called Multifamily Missteps where we dig into the mistakes that operators make while they're while they're owning and operating the buildings that they own or purchase. And the whole goal there is to help people who are aspiring to be apartment operators to know what they're getting into and what to avoid. The other podcast is called Dreamcatchers. And on that podcast, yeah. we interview people who have made eight-figure exits. And so as of late, I've been fascinated with people who have been able to build a business and then get out of that business and then go back in. And usually they buy a portfolio of other businesses. Mm -hmm. And this is what I consider to be the holy grail. You can do it. And I consider apartments or commercial real estate businesses, right? But when you've got something where you're serving from a brick and mortar or you're selling on Amazon or pick the outlet. There's some really cool things you can do from a marketing and an ad standpoint that allows you to grow the revenue of the business faster than you would with being able to grow rents. And for me, that's the part that's pretty exciting. That's yeah. Cause I've seen within your background, like the constant feeling of, giving back, whether that is providing value through your podcast, whether that's through mentorships, whether that, where did that belief and tradition of giving back really stem from? And what are your goals? Yeah. So level, so we talked about level one of our model, level six of our model is called significance. And 
we found that the only true success is through service. And that's what we've been placed on this planet to do, contrary to what most people believe. And so it's my ambition that everybody I come in contact with, their life becomes better as a result of our encounter. So we want to give back. We want to serve. We want to create value because in planting those seeds, we create opportunities that wouldn't be created otherwise. When I talk about people doing the work that pays well, but it's not in purpose or on purpose, the reason why it's important for them to go do the work in purpose and on purpose so that they can unlock the doors for the people who are waiting on them to do their thing. There's somebody that you haven't met who's counting on you to do the thing that you've been placed on this planet to do in order to do the thing that they're supposed to do. So literally you can be keeping something miraculous from happening by not actually fulfilling your purpose. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because like for me, one of the main reasons I got into engineering was the, I would know that I'd be able to have a solid and stable pay. Like I have come from an African background. So it's, Hey, you're going to be a Cameroon. Okay. Yeah. So it's either you must be a lawyer, you must be a doctor, engineer, one of those things. Actually, when I was funny, so when I was five years old, my mother asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, I wanted to be the guy on the back of the trash because it seemed like such a fun job. You just hop on, jump off, throw things in. <laughs> like, I was not worried about the income aspect. It was just, hey, that's something that would be fun. I don't want to do that now. But it's so interesting seeing how that impact of, hey, I decided what I want to do based on the income that I can get. But it's a continuous journey of you never reach that aspect where you want to go to because as you get more now you especially when you're in your job you get more there's more things that are expected of you and then now you're reaching for the next promotion and then the next promotion and then you end up spending more that so now you're forced to stay in that job and that's how the rat race continues so it's really interesting how at least for me and I come because I also invest in multifamily real estate really we have the goal to help a thousand engineers invest in commercial real estate by 2030 and as a part of that's us and with this podcast pretty much educating people about the different opportunities so are you syndicating or are you doing joint ventures in your strategy yeah so we are focused on syndicating okay but definitely yeah, so our strategy with is... the joint venture strategy but it really depends on that. i'd have to learn a little bit more yeah so it's really interesting how that works. So we, your, your strategy is common. It's one that works well. It allows people to treat the investment as if they were doing an investment in the stock market, right? It's mm -hmm. private placement, but you place the money and you just ride it out. The way that I found best to describe it is, Hey, you know, I'm getting ready to jump on a plane. I'm walking through the airport. I give the lady or the guy at the desk that scans my ticket to let me get on the jet bridge. They, they help me. I get on the stewardess greets you. They help you. You peek in, you see the pilots in there talking. Hopefully they're not drinking. They see you, you go back to your seat 
You get in the seat, you buckle up, and you're along for the ride. Everybody that I mentioned, the person at the gate, the person at the stewardess, the pilots, they're all getting paid to get you from one place to the other. And they're taking a piece of the money that you invested in the return in order to do that syndication. With joint ventures, it's more like a fighter plane, right? Everybody has an active role. Everybody's responsible for everything. Multiple people are involved in the dad and some of the other stuff. And so when we got into this space, we wanted to be the premier joint venture operator. Mm. And so we own more of the deal. And so portfolio account, people brag about doors a lot. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to grow our net worth. We wanted to create real ownership. Yeah. And so that's why the joint venture model was important for us. And so we own 30 or 40% of our portfolio, whereas some syndicators don't even own 5% of their portfolio. And so it's just a function of what you feel more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's multiple ways, even within this asset class, to get involved. And I think it's really important to expose the audience to that because there's a lot of people who want to syndicate. And that doesn't mean that syndication is the right answer for them, especially if they want to be active. They want to be shooters, mm -hmm. right? They, they want to fly the plane. They're not going to fly the plane if they're in a syndication. Okay. So then with those who are in the matrix, but they like being in the matrix, they love what they're doing, they tend to love their job, they have these high incomes, but they are looking for another way to build passive income. They're tired of the stock market roller coaster and really all of that fluctuations. How is it that they can invest in commercial real estate, but not be hands-on and have to give up the time because they're already working these busy jobs that they genuinely enjoy? If that's their case and they're looking to diversify, syndication is the game. I don't know another way. Like, I don't think REITs are the answer. I think private placement, if they're accredited investors, or even if, as long as they're sophisticated investors, and those are technical terms for the audience. And so sophisticated is one thing. Accredited is something very different. When I first became accredited, the opportunities to invest were very different than what I saw before I was accredited. And that creates an opportunity that I don't think many people will ever be exposed to. The great thing about the people that you've targeted is many of them will have the opportunity to have a household income that will qualify them for that or assets that will qualify them for that. But until then, getting the right education, and that is a time investment, but it's worth it if you're going to put your money in it, getting the right education allows them to pick the investments that are going to be right for them, for their risk tolerance, for their time horizon. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I, at least during my time, especially when I was working within so i've worked at within aerospace hvac and automotive and i remember at least when i first got when i first began working i was talking with a lot of my coworkers who were much older than me and speaking of retirement and i would all the time hear them complaining about oh man i have to extend my retirement by another 5 years because my 401k xyz and it's so interesting. As I've begun to get educated more, I feel like the concept of America, the concept of retirement 
America, it makes it seem as if retirement is means you're 65 years old. But rather, Social retirement security. is merely it's merely an equation. It's merely you have enough income passive thing. income that allows you to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. And when, whether that is at 30, at 40, does not necessarily have to be at that 65-year-old age. I think cool. that's the key thing. It is not an age, it's an income problem. And once you solve the income problem, you experience freedom. Yeah. Oh, and for, for I guess who may not know what an accredited investor is, could you explain what that is? Yeah, so there's three ways to be accredited. One, this is the newest one, is to get a license for investments. And so usually that's like a Series 7 or 63 or something like that. The next way to do it is to have income. And I'm not certain on the numbers, but I think it's 200000 if you're an individual or yep. 300000 as a couple for the last mm -hmm. two years, and you expect to do the same thing this year. And then you can also qualify by assets, which means you have a million dollars in assets outside of your home. Many people don't qualify in one way or don't know they're qualified if they are qualified. And if you check in, in one of those boxes, you probably want to check in with your CPA or some other financial professional just to confirm that. And then because there's a certification process, depending on what type of investment yeah. you're going into. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. So now you know, we've gone in, we've gone through the initial parts of this interview and now we're going to go through what we consider the rapid blueprint, right? It's like this, ask five questions where you give brief answers based on your experience. So what's one book every engineer turned investor should read? Yeah, it's funny. In 2020, the book that changed my life was Sizing People Up by Robin Dreek. So when you're meeting new people, the thing that you need to figure out the fastest is, can I trust this person or not? And mm -hmm. I believe that if I like somebody, then I should trust them. And that is not the way that you should evaluate whether or not you should trust people. So that book goes through six things that you can check to see if you should trust a body. Just trust somebody. It's written by somebody who used to handle spies. Okay. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. Never heard of that. So then what do people misunderstand about you the most? That's interesting. I've never actually thought about this. So I guess what I would say is that I say what I mean. I think a lot of folks are looking for the hidden layer the unsaid and like when I offer something to a person, they can take it at face value. There, there is no underlying, there is no undertone. There isn't anything left to be figured out. I think communication's tough enough. I don't use sarcasm as an example. And so mm -hmm. people spend a bunch of time complicating something that could be pretty precise and simple. And so I say what I mean is the place that I would go on that one. Okay. Then what is one essential skill that engineers can leverage in the world of real estate investing? I encourage people who are going to place capital in any sort of investment to be able to understand what they are investing in. 
And so understanding how to evaluate a model, a financial model, the projection, I th believe is the most important thing that can be done with these private placements and truly understanding what makes the business work. Because if you don't, then you're just comparing internal rate of returns or some other arbitrary metric that was concocted by somebody using Excel spreadsheet for marketing purposes. Yeah. And I would hate for somebody to place their capital expecting to get something that wasn't possible. I think there's been more lies told in Excel than there ever be told in Microsoft Word. Oh, there's more lies told in Excel than ever been told in Microsoft Word. I've never heard of that one. Okay. And then what is one misconception that many engineers have about real estate investing? Oh, <laughs> there's so many. But I think the one that I would go to is really tied to what it takes to actually make money in real estate investing. So it's not like buying a widget and then selling the widget for a higher price. You actually have to operate the business. You are buying a business. You have to operate the business in order to get a higher valuation. And the operator, the operations is more, almost more important than anything. It is the only way that you can influence or impact what happens. Okay. And then the final question in one sentence, what does financial freedom mean to you? I found that people are chasing the wrong F, which is financial freedom. What people are really looking for is fulfillment. Hey, that's deep. Never thought of that. Okay. So when you say fulfillment, right? So they're not looking for financial freedom. They're looking for fulfillment. Tell me a little bit more on that. Yeah, so my clients come to me asking three questions. What was it all for? Is this really it? And then what now? And so you spend all this time amassing the nest egg or building the massive real estate portfolio. You've got your time freedom. You don't have to you you make more money passively than you do than your bills are. And now you're looking around, what do I do with my life? Right. We talked about significance being level six in our model. What people are looking for is for their life to matter. If you go look at anybody that's close to end of life, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure that yeah. their life matters. And so we think about the magic pill for that is proceeds invested for a lasting legacy. And so we want to do things like create endowed scholarships or Whatever problem you want to eradicate on the face of the planet, creating a plan that's going to help move the needle on. And so for me, like you mentioned student debt, when I was talking about expenses in the beginning, I didn't talk about student debt because I didn't have any. And so that's something that we want to perpetuate. It's something that we want to move forward. And so our scholarship is moving from one full student scholarship to two. And we want to continue to grow that as time progresses so that we can help impact the number of students who are not in debt when they walk out and then they have more flexibility in the career they choose. And it's my hope that more of them will go do things that are on purpose and in purpose instead of chasing the money, which 
in the end, if you're on purpose or in purpose, you always make more money than you did yeah. when you were chasing money. Okay. Now, as we wrap up now, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work and if they would like to reach out to you? Yeah, the best place to go is I took the redpill.co. I took the redpill.co. Got it. Okay, then. So, yeah, again, thank you so much for taking your time to be on this episode of Engineers That Invest. I'm sure that myself and the audience have generally appreciated your time and your words, especially about the matrix and the red pill. Do you have any final words before we close out? Your dreams should be real. Somebody probably hasn't told you that recently, but know that, live that, breathe that, own that, and then go out and make it real. All right. We'll catch you guys all on the next episode of Engineers That Invest. Thank you for your time today. You've been listening to Engineers That Invest. If you're an engineer or other busy professional and you want to learn how to build passive income, this show teaches you how through real estate investments. We'll give you all the tips and tools you need to retire on your own terms and spend more time with your families. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we hope we've helped empower you to take control of your financial future. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can get our free guide on passive income through multifamily investing at engineersthatinvest.com and follow on Instagram at Proportunity Partners. See you next time on Engineers That Invest.